Anyway, so what we have here, does anybody know where this is? The Grand Canyon. Me and the wife went here a couple years ago. We were in Vegas and because we really didn't like Vegas we just hopped in the car and drove four hours to go see the Grand Canyon because it was close enough and my daughter in, in about five more weeks she'll be seeing this very same view right here herself when she goes on her honeymoon to wherever they're gonna go but I'm sure that that's part of it. But but as we can see what the title is is called the overlook so if we begin to because so many of us have been to the mountains and we've been on the blue ridge and we've seen an overlook before we, we see the beautiness of, of the overlook and i just thought it would be a little bit more extravagant just to give us a, a a beautiful overlook because when we think about this from where i was standing all the way across there was 10 miles I mean, and it doesn't look like it, but that's 10 miles to the to the north side of the rim. We were on the south rim, and that's on the north rim on the other side of that photo. But I kind of want to create the picture because as, as we begin to look at this, there's so much that you see, but the reality is, is that there's so much that you still don't see because of your viewpoint. And that's kind of where I want to start this series at, uh, not knowing at the time, but I kind of uh, uh, highlighted a little bit that this is a prequel to a series that I will be starting in a couple weeks, uh, and the series is going to be called The Bigger Picture. The Bigger Picture, and we'll be using a puzzle as an example. So if anybody likes to put together puzzles, we'll probably be using uh, an example of a puzzle. I know my family, they, they love to do puzzles. Uh, it's not for me. Uh, my patience is a little bit shorter than that for a puzzle. Unless it's like a 50 piece or a 100 piece, I'm, I'm probably fine with that. But the reality here is that is that there's so many things in our life, there's so many things that we overlook. We overlook, and in the scripture today, I want to point these things out and and it's not so much about a particular item but what I want to point out is I want to place the challenge on your heart I'm not aiming for your feet just like I do every week I tell you so I'm aiming for your heart because if it hits your heart then it's gonna stick if it hits your toes all you're gonna say is ow my toes or oh me you know so I want to hit your heart I want to hit the very point that that we've given to God and I ain't so much per se as in our physical heart but our heart for God, in other words, our intellect, the, our, our, our purpose, the, the things that God is calling us to. So as a subtitle today, uh, here's going to be our subtitle. Here, and it's called, I Can't See the Forest from the Trees. How many of us have ever heard that saying before? Can't see the forest from the trees. And it's because we're, we're, we're our focus is on a one tree or our focus is on the whole thing that we, we've missed the bigger picture. And, and again, I'm trying to be very careful not to move too much into my next series, uh, even though all I have is titles for my, there's not been no study time on all it is is just a prayer time. Lord says, this is lesson one, this is lesson two, this is lesson three. So, so as I press through and into that, uh, some of that, some of that may trickle down fr from this series here. But can't see the forest from the trees. So by the time we finished here today, uh, the prayer is is this: as we've already praised that Holy Spirit, open our eyes and our ears to hear and to see everything that you have for us. Bring us God's heart. And that's what we want. And that's what, I, that's what I entitled my podcast when I first started doing my podcast was called Diving Into the Heart of God. And so it's just, it's moved on into this stage that the Lord has us in right now. But I want to start and I want to come out of Matthew 26. Matthew 26 verses 6 through 13. And I'll be reading out of the NLT version. Uh, as there's always quite a few versions that I'll read out of. Uh, but this is one that I usually stick to. And it says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this reply, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? Verse 11, 
you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. For burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's will be deed and remembered and discussed. So, so as, as if I'm just going to be really real with you, through my years of attending church and being a part of church and even a preacher for 20 years, I've never preached about the woman with the alabaster jar. I've only maybe heard it two, maybe three times at most. But Jesus made, he made this statement that her deeds will be remembered and discussed. So, so, so what are you saying there, Pastor? Is that what Jesus was wanting to display here through this woman's actions is it's very vital for us. It's very important that we get this message, especially if Jesus had to say this part right here. Why did he have to say, I tell you the truth? They had been with him for three and a half years. Three and a half years. So why did he have to say, I tell you the truth? Because he didn't want them to miss this. He wanted to bring to the attention. I don't want you to miss this part. Because here is a very valuable lesson. So, so, so we kind of, uh, uh, so sometimes I'll read from my notes and then sometimes I won't. A lot of times I'll just follow the unction of the Holy Spirit. But, but I want to start out with a few statements here. As the young lady had something that was of value, but as we all know that the value is based off of the one who has it. Because sometimes if I have a $2 bill in my wallet, it may carry a sentimental value to me. There's heirlooms that we have that's not worth nothing to nobody, but it's worth something to me. So we've all heard this before, that one man's trash is another man's treasure. So the value is in the, is within the, the view or, or in the view of the beholder, the one that's, that's holding it. So what we have here is that what she had became very valuable because if we look in John chapter 12 now John spoke this same story he told it a little bit different and he was really quick to point out Jews Judas point the finger at Judas but Matthew said it was the disciples that were indignant that they were the ones that they had these these thoughts of what was going on here but in in John chapter 12 it tells us that it's Mary so who was Mary we've heard of a couple Marys throughout the scripture but this was Mary which was Martha's sister and Lazarus sister so we've all sister sister <laughs> sometimes I get a little tongue-tied because sometimes it's the spirit I'm trying to move with with the pace of the Holy Spirit and sometimes I just I just can't keep up with them, uh, so I'm just I'll be real honest and upfront about that. But but so so we're dealing with Lazarus now. We know who Lazarus is, the one that Jesus raised from the dead, right? And you know this woman Mary, she was mentioned three times in Scripture, only three times, and all three times. So here was the first time, or one of the times that 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 she was mentioned, is when when. When when Jesus had came to the house and and Martha was cooking dinner, getting the food ready, and then here we have Mary was at the feet of Jesus. So that's one mention that we have there. The second mention we have was when when Lazarus had died. So and Mary came running to Jesus and fell at his feet. So and here we have again is that Mary's mentioned, and again at this time. She's at the feet of Jesus because if we look at the context in John chapter 12, Mary, Mary poured the oil on him and, and rubbed her hair and anointed Jesus with that. So in all three cases, we have Mary being displayed at the feet of Jesus. Do we know where we're going with this already? Do we know where we're going with this already? Because now we're talking about being at the feet of Jesus. That there's so many times that we overlook that case of where we need to be at the feet of Jesus, but we get tied up doing so many other things. You see, but there was only thing that was there was only one thing that was important, and Jesus wanted to make sure that he 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 uh, he put this truth out there, and that he wanted to emphasize this truth 
because it was very important so, so that the importance of what's being spoken there is the importance of what needs to be spoken today for us and in our lives so so if we begin to to look at this thing that that the oil I don't want to get too far ahead of myself I'll just flow with the Holy Spirit thank you Lord if we begin to look at this oil that was in this jar does anybody have any idea of what an alabaster jar is anybody it's okay if we don't you're gonna hold off on that one you're gonna hold that one yeah, I was, I was going to say like a mason jar. But the, uh... What? It was a jar, but it was also a jar that was sealed. It doesn't mean that it was it was the holiness of it, but it was sealed. And and so so what it really represents is what we would call a flask. It was just a flask, cause all it was, and it was sealed. And what it hosted was something that was pure because it was in the book of John chapter 12 it said that it was the purest of nard so when we think about nard uh, we don't really know what that is but let me tell you where the nard came from it came from the Himalayas out of India so that means that that nard that oil that was placed in that jar had to make that track from there from India all the way to where they were in, in Jerusalem and in Israel and in that area so the significance is that it became very valuable and in John chapter 12 it even stated that it could have been sold did, did it not say it was an expensive perfume and poor and they said because it could have been sold for a high price so, so we begin to think about it was a high price so if it became very valuable when we begin to look at it in the book of John it was said it was worth one year's wage one year's wage is was what man had put a value on this ass so if we begin to look at it in in the perspective of this is that most cases we don't work weekends right so it come out to be about 300 days wage so one day's wage biblically and in that time was one denarii and one denarii was equal to one day's wage. One denarii is equal to one day's wage. So if we begin to think about it, that, that this was worth 300 denarius. So, so if we put that in today's vernacular, what does that mean? What does the average American make today? Just the, just the average. Now, I didn't know. I looked it up. Around $65,000 is on average an average middle-class American is what they bring home so if we begin to put that in in our terms of what this perfume is worth what this jar of perfume is worth so so it, it honestly is it, it was worth so much more than what we're willing to spend on it because it's such a high price we begin to think about how hard we got to work for it. we have to consider the cost you know I think me and brother Josh we sat down the other weekend and we talked about if when we go to build a house we got to consider the cost what is it going to cost us we got to have a budget so when we are taking up our cross and following Jesus we got to consider that there's a cost there's something that it's going to cost us just like I said ladies and gentlemen salvation is a free gift but walking with God is going to cost you something and he said remember he said if they hate you remember they hated me first so we're going to be hated he said that we were even going to be persecuted so we got to look at it this way as well ladies and gentlemen if we're not being persecuted are we really following jesus so again i'll just i'll make that bold statement again is that have we stuck our neck out for jesus have we done something that's cost us something to to lose friends even to lose family members if, if that's what it comes down to when we speak the truth of God's word and when we speak the truth of his word in love so so when we begin to think about this flask when we when we think about this alabaster jar now that we've talked a little bit about the oil but going back to the significance of this jar is that it was a jar or a flask that was a one-time use so so what does that mean so if it was such an expensive perfume 
and the jar that it, that it was in could only be used once, then that means it had, all of it had to be used. All of the oil had to be used. See, if I was really from the South, I'd say oil. But I've, I've been working on saying oil. I'm, I'm really working for that for those that may be following me on YouTube or my podcast. But the oil was so precious that you had to use it all at one time every bit of it at one time you know and see and, and, and so and what Jesus was doing here as, as, as we kind of scan back and we begin to look at verse uh, verse 8 and it said that the disciples they were kind of they were outraged because when they saw this what a waste and so many people may view our life as a waste by what we're doing, by putting our life on the line, putting our reputation on the line for the Lord. So, so, so Jesus had to, you know, here we are in chapter 26, but back in chapter 15, you know, Jesus had spoken about this as we move to our next slide, is that, you know, as I preface this with chapter 15, verses 13 through 20, here, here's what Jesus had spoke to them just not that long ago. It said, and Jesus replied, every plant not planted in my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They, have, they are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, excuse me, they both fall into a ditch. Then Peter said that Jesus explained this to us, the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Excuse me again. Don't you understand yet? Jesus asked, anything you eat passes through the stomach and it goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. From the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defiles you. Okay, so Pastor, you just read so much scripture. What are you trying? What are you trying to? What point are you trying to get get across to us here? That the that the disciples had a bad thought. They had a bad thought about this was a waste. This was a waste. So we've all heard it out of the abundance out of the, uh, the abundance of the heart. The what? The mouth. the mouth speaks. So what's in our hearts comes out. I'm gonna tell you right now. Our our mouth will tell on our heart in a heartbeat. It will. Because sometimes we've said things and we're like, I can't believe I just said that. Whether it's good or bad. And we, we can both raise our hands. It's okay. You know, because we've all been there. And there's still all those opportunities for us to be there as well. So what Jesus had pointed out to them some time ago, but yet they were having a hard time remembering because they were doing what? They couldn't see the forest from the trees. They were so focused on what the oil could have been used for instead of what it was actually intended for. That we look at situations in our life as in, you know, I don't know why I don't have my license back yet, but there's a purpose and there's a reason. I, I don't know why my boss is being so rude to me. There's a purpose and a reason. And we could talk about being refined by fire. I mean, you know, I've preached on that before, and I'm sure I'll preach on that again about the refining fire, that there's things that God wants to burn out of us, but the only way that they can come out of us is if they come to the surface. So we take that gold and what happens, you melt it and the, the two different metals or the different metals that's in there will separate. And the, and the lighter part of it is going to surface. So the things that are not of God are going to surface. They're going to surface in our life. And our heart's, going to, our heart's going to tell us what's in there. It's going to tell us the impure things that are in there. But what Jesus was trying to point out to them, that before you go on to anything else, before, before you begin to commit murder, now, now let's just stop for a second and let's just think about murder. Now when we think about murder, we're thinking about stabbing somebody in the chest or, or killing them with the car or just whatever that may be. But, but what did Jesus equate murder with? Hatred. Hatred. What does the word hatred mean? It just simply means to love less. To, to, to be biased towards somebody else. If we could just really say, to show favoritism. I mean, it's okay. You can say, man, that really hurts, Pastor. 
because now you're really getting to the root of a lot of issues that we we have to seem to be having you know adultery all sexual immorality lying theft slander so if we begin to think about these things all of these other things are in action right these are something that manifests but Jesus said it starts here it starts with evil thoughts so he was already trying to sever the root by telling them that that by what they were thinking the way that they were thinking about how, how the oil could be used but that there was so much more of a greater purpose you, you can't see the forest from the trees you're overlooking something you're overlooking something that should be so simple and so many times how many of us have been to the refrigerator us, us men are probably more guilty of it or not we go to the refrigerator I can't find such and such where is it at it's in the refrigerator you just gotta look it ain't in here you go and then your wife comes and she opens it it's right here I, oh guilty right guilty guilty <laughs> because we, we've been there and, and it's, it's right up under our noses but we overlooked it because honestly, if we're gonna be honest with you, we think we're really looking for it, but our mind is somewhere else. We're thinking about something else and where we need to be thinking about what God is calling us to. He's calling us to His feet. He's calling us to His feet. He's calling us to be prepared for His burial because that from His burial became what? He raised to newness of life. And the only way that we can be raised to newness of life is to be placed in the ground as well, to be dead, to be dead, to be to be dead to self, and and to move on into those things. Um. Um, and I'm trying not to stumble over anything. I, I want to scan over these notes, but you know, Jesus was highlighting the details of what this young lady was doing for him. Her motives were pure and accurate but the disciples had missed the mark and there's oftentimes that we've missed the mark we've missed what God was trying to show us because because we came with a different heart you know how many of us let me let me ask you this how many of us have prayed for something and because we wanted it so bad we heard the Lord say yes I'm gonna give you an example last Monday last Monday man I, 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 I've learned just to be so transparent because because from what I learned you can learn as well just like Paul said he said imitate me as I imitate Christ don't be like me imitate what I'm imitating you know it's just a, another I'm reflecting on you what you need to be reflecting so so that's what Paul was saying there and so last Monday I heard the Lord say a building what was the very first thing I did I began looking for buildings I began to send email after email phone call after phone call and you know what every one of those things produced for me disappointment disappointment because I was like Lord this is outrageous uh, the email okay well it's still the ad is still up but there's no vacancy here this place is still up but I'm not willing to pay that price and the Lord corrected me in that and that's where I was talking about the highlight of my day is when the Lord gives me that correction and here's how the Lord corrected me and I know it all became for this message this week I just I, I, just, I know it was and the Lord spoke to me. He said, my desire is for you to prepare for a building. He didn't specifically say look for a building. So what does that mean? Before we do anything in the physical, God, we got to prepare spiritually. We've got to be prepared spiritually. So what does that mean? As the pastor, the Lord's called me to fast and to pray. Fast and pray on behalf of a building. And the Lord spoke to me yesterday coming back from where? Guilt from Lowe's. For the third time this week, we went to Lowe's. But coming back from Lowe's last night, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, "He said, why are you looking for something less than what I've already promised you? We're too, we're too busy trying to see the forest, but we can't see it from the trees. And the Lord ministered to me on that behalf. So, so, so the, the ministry for me, the, the part that the Lord, the highlight for me was, 
was the correction of you got to prepare for this spiritually first before I planted this church before we did it, I spent time in prayer time in prayer time away from the plate I know it don't look like I pushed the plate away but I really did I mean you know I know I don't look big I just wear big clothes that's all but but and that's fine you know as long as Jesus loves me and my wife loves me I, you know I figured the bigger I get the more she can love me because it's more more man to love I, I don't know how true that is but but you know the disciples their heart was in the wrong place they thought what they were doing was a good thing and how many times have we fell in that very same scenario that I couldn't see the forest from the trees Lord I really felt like you were saying this to me but the reality is that you were speaking something else so here's here was here was the emphasis again on what God was speaking to me and even though I've learned this but I needed to be reminded so I've learned that when I pray when I seek the Lord about something I seek him with a neutral heart that there's no favoritism of I do want it or I don't want it I do want to build them or I don't want to build them. I do want this job, I don't want this job. I do want this baby, I don't want this baby. Got to have that neutral heart in the reference of because if, if we come to it leaning one way or the other, then we're gonna we're gonna be hearing ourselves say more than we're hearing God say. So when we pray neutral, it's just important. God make my heart neutral. Make my heart neutral because I want what you want. Did we not see this happen at the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Did he, we've all read that. We've all heard it read. We've maybe even heard it preached. Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, Jesus, he, he quickly placed his heart in a neutral position because it was more about what God wanted for his life more than what he wanted for his life because he knew he had a purpose he had a destiny that he had to fulfill don't you think that Jesus probably would have preferred just to continue to make little wooden animals or toys or you know seats and it, all, whatever type of construction type uh, you know that, that he was raised in and that he was doing it would have been so much easier to do that but God called him to do more so are, are we are we still leaning to the easy things are we leaning to the easy things that that appease us that that puts us in a position where where it's about what I want when, when we when we bring what we when we bring what we want to the table man that was a lot of woo 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 woos but when we bring what we want to the table say I got it right that time then we're more prone for it to be about us, to be about me, to be about us, to be about me, to be about my family. And that's where the Lord's corrected me in the, in the phrase of, uh, the Lord's called me to plant a church, to start a church, but I'm not growing a church. I'm only extending the kingdom of God. That's the call that God has on my life. That's the call that God has on each and every one of our lives is to extend the kingdom, to be the kingdom for men and women to see because we may or may have not heard this saying before the only Jesus that some people ever see is the Jesus that's in us you know that reminds me of a story that I heard 20 some years ago that a little little girl asked her mom and she said mom you know they tell us that you know that that you know for Jesus to be living in our heart yeah but isn't isn't Jesus big isn't God big well yes baby she said, so the next thing she said, well then, if he's so big, then everybody should be seeing him in our hearts. You know, is people seeing the Jesus in us? Are they seeing, are they seeing the scripture being fulfilled in our lives? Are, are they seeing God's word come to pass? Because I'm gonna tell you this right now, if we live by this, we will also die by this. Did Jesus not tell Peter in, in the garden when he went and, 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 and chopped the Sanhedrin soldier's ear off? He said, Peter, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If we live by the sword, which is the word of God, we will also die by it. You see, so many people have missed that mark about it. it was just a physical, but Jesus was always teaching a lesson. He's always speaking, but are we listening? Have we not seen the forest from the trees? 
so so I want to I want to go a, another couple more places in in Romans our next slide Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 and it said so dear brothers and sisters so let's just stop for a minute in the King James version it would say brethren right brother it would say brethren but but in the translations it broke it down and it said brothers and sisters so when we go to church or when we consider consider someone to be our brother and sister in Christ then what does that associate them with as being a Christian being a saint being a follower so so here's what Paul was doing was he was addressing the church and if we look through all the Pauline epistles and 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 even the book of James and stuff it mentions that dear brothers and sisters that scripture has been based has been written to us and 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 the only message that we really have to speak to a sinner is to repent and turn to God repent and turn to God so everything else it, that 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 word's not for them because they're not living that they're not living that out so 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 we're we're making that known that what what uh what Paul was saying here was what he was addressing the church. He was addressing people like me and addressing people like you. People that follow after Christ. He said, so I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing. So Paul mentions here the suffering of self and the surrendering of submitting our bodies. And he's talking about the physicalness of our bodies, is submitting to that. So answer me this is what is our bodies? It's every part of us. It's our hands, it's our feet, it's our eyes, it's our mouth. Because there's a lot of things, the Bible says that we have eye gates, we have ear gates. But Jesus said it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles you. So so, so we, uh, there's a lot of these things that, that <laughs> these, this, the, the attention to detail, if we could just really say it that way. So, so the surrender of our entirety will place us in a, it to the uh, their, sur their surrender of our entirety will place us as acceptable to God. Why is this? Okay, so in 2 Corinthians it says this, because we're submitting the, the entirety of who we are, then, then, then here's what he says in 2 Corinthians. He was speaking to the church of Corinth, and it says, Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. Now if we stop for a second, we, we, we were already seeing what Mary was doing, that it was a perfume, it was a fragrance. It was a worship, it was a lifestyle, it was, you know, and I don't even know why the Lord mentioned about worship and obedience to start out with, but now I'm, I'm seeing where he's going here with this. And it said, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are punished. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom, but to those who are being saved, they are a life-giving perfume. So it, it brings us back to the scripture in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers that, that when, when the, excuse me, when the, when the sacrifice was placed on the altar, how the fragrance filled the room. You know, when we begin to think about this nard, the perfume that she had, it was a fragrance that filled the room. You see, in our worship and our obedience to God will fill the room where we are. It will fill our homes. It will fill our workplace. But we got to be at the feet of Jesus. We've got to be there and we got to be presenting this to Him. The, the thing that is so precious because it was so valuable because in our modern terms it's $65,000. It's the, I'm giving you the everything that I got, Lord. The everything that I got. But yet, even the disciples that walked with Jesus considered it to be a waste because their heart was in their own place. Their mouth told on their heart. So we present our bodies as a sacrifice unto the Lord, and it is a sweet aroma. When we willingly lay down our life, we willingly give Him everything that we got, it's a sweet-smelling 
aroma to him. So if we move back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, uh, the second verse, even though we read it, it said, but don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you, excuse me, into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So the customs and the ways of this world is brainwashing and deceiving. It's brainwashing and deceiving. You know, how many times can you be in the kitchen but you hear a commercial come on the TV and then next thing you know, you, you're saying what they've said because you've heard it so much. So that's a type of brainwashing. I mean, I mean, if we could say, so you've heard me say this example before, if you want to learn a song, what do you do? I'm sure you can finish. You put it on replay. You put it on replay. How many of us hit that replay button before? Like, man, it's my jam right there. It's my yeah. jam. Yeah, but we've all done that in our times, and eventually what have we done? We've learned a song, and hopefully we're putting our worship music on replay, in, not just in, in our ears, but in our life as well, because when that's on replay, when God's Word is on replay in front of our face at all the time. See, what did David say? David said that I would hide your Word in my heart that I might not what? that I might not sin against you. So, but that, so David showed us that the only way not to sin against God is to have His Word in our heart. He didn't say our eyes. He said in our heart, and we've spoken about this before, that we can have a change of mind, but if our heart's not made up, then a, then a changed mind is not going to make no difference. I'm making a conscious decision that, that I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. It's got to get into your heart. When we view sin the way that God views sin, then we'll respond to sin the same way that God responds to sin. And what is what is what does First John tell us? First John chapter three, it says that all sin is lawlessness. Help me out a little bit there, Pastor. All sin is considered this. Sin is the opposite, and it's contrary to God's nature. It's the opposite of who He is. Sin is the opposite of who God is. So when we view sin the same way that he does. So so now we're just going to get real personal here. It, the book of James has said, if a man knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's a sin. If we know that we're supposed to do something right, if we know that there's something that the Holy Spirit has spoken to our heart, because what did he say in John chapter 16? It said that, that the Holy Spirit would do what? He would bring conviction of sin. So that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the characteristics that the Holy Spirit does is He brings conviction of sin. So when we do something we know is wrong, we do something we know is contrary to God's Word, what have we done? We've sinned. We've sinned. You know, He even said, He said, I pray that you sin not. But if you do, you have a paracletos, not a paraclete. A paracletos. You have an advocate with the Father. So in that word, it's only used two times in Scripture. Two times the word paracletos. And it comes from two words, para and then cleo. Not cleo, my dog, but cleo. Para means closeness. A close an association. A close association with someone. Closely associated. So, so the two times that it was mentioned, the first time that it was mentioned was that the Holy Spirit would be our paracletos. It would, be, it would be our helper. It would be our aid. It would be our comforter. So that word paracletos is a, a, a lawyer term. Someone that was there to aid you, to abed you. Someone that, that would be closely associated with you. I know every part of what you did about your alibi. So, you know, that makes me like a witness that, you know, I'm here to plead your case. And that's exactly what Jesus said that he was going to give us was the alos paracletos. So when the Holy Spirit, so get back to the point, point, point at hand is that when we sin and we do it willfully, as we read in Hebrews 10, 26, it said, it says, how can we deliberately continue to sin after coming? To the knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? This. Every bit of this is truth. Even the parts that we don't like. Can I explain it a little bit deeper? The parts of the truth. Christmas time. We go stand on the scale. 
I'm getting somewhere now. We go stand on a scale, but it tells us something that we don't like. Did it change the truth though? It doesn't change it. The truth is still the truth, whether we like it or not. What truth is God speaking to you in your life, in your walk with Him? Because if He's telling you, it's for a reason. It's for a reason. Make our kids sit down or as they get older, here, eat your vegetables. But I don't like vegetables. Drink your milk. I don't like milk. Maybe they like milk. I don't, I don't like milk. I like, cho I like chalk milk. <laughs> but eating the vegetables does something for us, right? Drinking the milk does drink milk, make your bones strong. I, mean, I don't know if that's really true, but I heard that my whole life. Eat your vegetables. You know, you come to find out that there's carbohydrates in vegetables. But we want carbohydrates as donuts, pastries, um, sodas. We want our carbohydrates that way. So we, we can't have our cake and eat it too, if I can say it that way. There's everything that we need can be found in the basic food chains that our body needs. And we're just we're just going there. I mean, that's, that's gonna be that's part of my book that I've been spending the past three years working on, but I haven't worked on it in the past two years. But the Lord has spoken to me that it's time to it's it's getting to that point of moving back into starting on my book again. So I sit back and, and I recall now that when the Lord's telling me something to do in the physical, I gotta prepare for it spiritually. So so uh, um so the customs of this, of this world, I'm, I'm going to read a few things here. So the customs and ways of this world is brainwashing and deceiving. The world is contrary to God's nature and characteristics. All because Satan is the ruler of this world. He is. It's in Scripture. And Satan's MO, if we don't know what MO is, it's just a method of operation or how he operates is to keep us so occupied and distracted that we lose focus and understanding of what our MO is supposed to be. To neglect the very reason of why we were created. How many will be honest with themselves and say that they have allowed Satan to be successful in this task? Because he's kept us so occupied with other things. We've not seen the forest from the trees. You see, we, we even take our mind back just real, I mean, real fast and brief is that when after Jesus had fed the 5,000, he put the disciples back in the boat to go to the other side. And if you begin to look at it from where they were back to the other side was nine miles. Nine miles of rowing a boat and with a sail on it. I mean, that, that puts in a lot of work and it said, and, and at 3 o'clock in the morning. So they are still trying to make their way across after getting in there the afternoon to go all the way back across. And it said in about, the, about 3 o'clock in the morning, it said that, that the winds began to blow and the waves became boisterous. And it said and they fought. They fought the waves. They fought against the waves. What is that telling us there? they were fighting something that was only manifesting because you can't fight the wind but you're fighting the waves but the waves has the waves can't do nothing on their own it's only something causing them to move and there's something that's being done around us and in our situations and in our lives that's causing us to see chaos we don't understand why our boss is being ugly or why that person that's in front of us is just putting on their blinkers left and right or maybe they're even throwing us the finger I mean man I get that all the time but it's okay I'm, God bless you I love you and I just begin to pray for that person but the reality is that we're fighting against something that we can't see and it's only because of something else that's manifesting that we begin to fight against that. But when we, and when Jesus got in the boat after Peter said, you know, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And Peter got out, he walked on the water. He lost the focus of what was going on around him because the focus point was Jesus. And when he began, and said when he took his eyes off the Lord, he began to sing. And he cried out to Jesus, Jesus, save me. And Jesus saved them. And then it said, and then they got back in the boat. And what was what did Jesus, what was the next words that Jesus spoke? Wind be still. 
He spoke to the very thing that was causing the chaos, not what was manifesting. So we, the only way that we can speak, because Jesus is the Word. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. In verse 14 it said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the truth. This is the Word that we speak over the situation. This is the Word that we speak to, not what's manifesting, but this is the Word that we speak to, to the very thing that's causing that. So I'm going to finish reading this because I'm already five minutes over my time. So how many will be honest with themselves and say that we've allowed Satan to be successful in this task? We all raised all four of our hands. It's okay. Because if we are honest with ourselves, then you are in the process of moving from being self-deceived to being convicted. The greatest deception that there is is self-deception. Well, what is that? That means that you believe that you're right, but the reality is, is that you're wrong and you've convinced yourself that you are right. That's the greatest deception. You know what the problem with, with being the, of the self-deception is? It's just being deceived. And what's being deceived? I believe a lie. So when, so when we accept, when we accept the truth of God's Word, we move from this self-deception to conviction. And that is the one of the very roles and responsibility of the Holy Spirit. So if we can move into a place of conviction, then we can clearly see the very thing in the thought process that has kept us in bondage from knowing what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of the Father. We've got to change the way we think. Our mindset's got to be Christ. It's got to be the Word. That's the only way that we can move into the perfectness that He's called us into. But I'm just, again, I say this every week, and I'm just going to be so honest with you. Because I can say this. If you're not in this, if you're not in it, you need to be. Because it's game changer. You know, we've all seen, you know, we've seen the movies, man, this team sucks and they're losing, but they got this one all-star, right? And he, he's, he becomes the savior of that team, and he, he's the game changer. This is the game changer in our life. And, you know, I, I place the emphasis, it's not about reading a chapter a day. It's not about reading a whole book in a week. Read a couple verses. Start somewhere. And as you put yourself in this, it will begin to place itself in you. We can't change God's Word, but His Word can change us. But it can only change us from the inside out. It's got to be in our heart. And what was in, what was in this woman's heart was that she wanted to worship, that she wanted to give Him what nobody else was giving Him. What are we giving God that He wants, that He desires? What are we doing with that? So if you could just bow your head for, for just a moment. I want to pray with you. I want to make this personal for you. And I know I went a little bit longer today. And I don't apologize for it because if there was just so much more that, that the Holy Spirit spoke than what I even had notes for. But I want to get personal with you today. What is God calling you to do that you've not done? What, what, what is God calling you to see that you've not seen? Well, Pastor, that seems to be a really difficult question. If He's calling me to see something and I can't see it, the question is, is what's in your way from seeing what God wants you to see? What's the more that He's calling you to? And that's only a decision that you can make. I can't make it for my wife. I can't make it for my kids. I can't make it for you. And God is always, He's always trying to get our attention. He's always calling us to more. He's always calling us to deeper. What is standing in our way? What are we looking at that we can't see? Sometimes it's just not seeing the bigger picture. It's not seeing the whole thing. It's, it's seeing what God wants us to see. And that's only a decision that you can make. Let me pray with you. Dear Lord, we just thank you today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the word that's been sown here today. Lord, and you said it is the word is sown because, Lord, we've asked you for good ground today. Lord, and as seed has been placed in good ground, 
Lord, here's exactly what your word said next, is that some produced 30, 60, and 100. It multiplied in our life, Lord, and the only way it can multiply, Lord, is for it to sit there and to take root and to be the everything that you've called it to be. Lord, help us today, Lord, to take this word, to view it, and that this word would ring in our spirit all week long, next week, the week after. Lord, knowing that there's things that you're wanting us to see, but we're overlooking. We're overlooking because our mindset is somewhere different. Help us, Holy Spirit, to have the heart of God, to think the way that, that you think. Lord, you said that my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Lord, and I ask, Lord, that you help us to come up to your way of thinking, to think the way that you think. And the way that you think is, is just simply the words that you've already spoken to us through your scripture and that you speak into our life every single day. Bless us, Lord, that we would not leave here, Lord, the same way that we came, but, Lord, that we would accept the challenge, Lord, to move further and deeper into you. Because, Lord, just like Isaiah, Lord, um, um, sorry, not Isaiah, but, Lord, uh, Elijah, Lord, that you are that still, small voice. Lord, and a still, small voice is someone that speaks lightly, someone that whispers. And, Lord, and when someone whispers, Lord, we have to get closer to them to hear them. Lord, I'm not asking you to draw us because, Lord, you said in James that if we would draw close to you, Lord, that you would draw close to us. Help us, Lord, today to make that first step, no matter how big that step is, because, Lord, we know that it will be worth it in the beginning and at the end. Bless the remainder of the time, Lord, that we have here today, Lord, those that may be viewing us online or those that may be listening to us via podcast, Lord, I pray that you would be with them, that you would keep them safe, Lord, and that you would bring us back, Lord, together again. And we thank you and we praise you. We glorify you and we honor your name because we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord.